Hey, Pasa Mufasa. Welcome to the Micopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker, and today on the pod, we have the absolute privilege of hosting the founder of the Church of the People for Creator and Mother Earth, Shane Norty. And uh, in that moment, I realized, you know, um, I needed to create a space that this space was um, not only sacred and beautiful, but um, there was healing. And I wanted to offer it to not only the world, but my family and my people. Shane is a member of the Morongo Band Native American tribe. And he is also a national board member for the Decriminalized Nature Organization. And today, we're going to talk about his work facilitating healing ceremonies on tribal land, using psilocybin mushrooms, and doing so free of charge for the members of his church. We're gonna touch upon what ceremony means from an indigenous ancestral perspective. We're gonna talk about land autonomy and what the land back movement looks like in the context of the 21st century billion dollar tribe. We're also going to talk about the American Indian Religious Freedom Act passed in 1978 that recognizes Shane's and other indigenous healers legal right to continue the sacred ceremonies and practices they have employed for thousands of years before the occupation of their lands by the United States government. And we're talking about macro-dose mushroom experiences. So buckle in, let's get down to business. Okay, pasa, move, fasa. Welcome to the Mycopreneur Podcast, Shane. How's it going today? Hello, I'm doing good. Honored to be here. Thank you for having me on here. It's our pleasure. Well, first off, Shane, I'm very inspired by the work you're doing to make profound healing experiences accessible to people and to our indigenous and military veteran families in particular. And I've heard from a few people how impactful your offerings are for them and their communities. So let's start there. What is the Church of the People for Creator and Mother Earth? And how did you get started with this mission? Yeah, so um, hello, uh, name Shane Norty, uh, coming out of Southern California, uh, Paiuca Chimlan, also known as uh, Lasenos, also uh, founder and spiritual leader of uh, Church of the People for Creator Mother Earth, also um, Decriminalized Nature National Board member, and uh, you know my church, you know we're we're offering uh, psychedelic assisted therapy you know, for free, you know, also community to people, you know, just not just veterans, but all walks of people, all walks of life. And, uh, you know, how the journey started, you know, it was back in, uh, you know, 2018, lost my father to uh, cancer. And uh, during that process, I uh, started looking for other methods of healing and getting myself, you know, better and more to terms of the loss of my father. So in that time, uh, I had some family from out in Oklahoma, and, uh, you know, I had them come down, and we set up a peyote meeting, and um, from there we prayed and had a peyote ceremony, and uh, I was able to heal, you know, and let go of the pain I was holding on to, you know, for my father. And uh, in that moment, I realized, you know, um, I needed to create a space that this space was um, not only sacred and beautiful, but um, there was healing, and I wanted to offer it to not only the world, but my family and my people. So, uh, you know, I started to uh, just conduct, 
you know, my own ceremonies in terms of, uh, you know, like sweats. I started to get engaged within the sweat lodge. And then, uh, you know, in that time, I started to uh, get back into mushrooms, you know, psychedelic mushrooms, because uh, I've been taking them for about eight years, working with them. But uh, to work with them at the home front was beautiful. And uh, in that in that time, you know, I got a, an understanding. And uh, from that understanding, I started to, uh, you know, just ask around, you know, my mom, people. And, uh, you know, one day my mom, you know, decided to take me up to these petroglyphs. And uh, she was just talking about how our people, you know, did medicines. And we've always understood plants and things like that. And we use these uh, plants and ceremonies to heal, you know, sickness, death, all kinds of things. And um, so when I saw those petroglyphs, you know, with the mushrooms on it and whatnot, uh, it was very uh, inspiring and reassuring, you know, to know why I'm doing this work and, you know, why this work feels natural, you know, because I was always wondering why. I felt that I had a connection to it, you know, and uh, so it's really cool to know that my ancestors actually, you know, knew about mushrooms and had mushroom ceremonies, and then now to, you know, have a, my own church conducting them in our uh, traditional lodge and everything is uh, very beautiful, so I'm very uh, thankful that, um, you know, I get to have that experience and now get to share it with not only my family and people, but to everybody who wants to enjoy these ceremonies and wants to learn, you know, a connection to this, you know, Mother Earth and Creator. And as you know, there's such huge disconnection that's happening right now and that has been happening for many hundreds of years by this point. So I'd love to talk a little bit about ceremony, about some of the elements that go from a psychedelic experience and just taking a power plant to a full-on ceremony. And a lot of the people who are seeking the power within and to to establish or reestablish a connection with sacred medicines and sacred plants, they don't really have a frame of reference for ceremony or ceremonial use. Like many people are just taking mushrooms or other psychedelics without an understanding of what ceremony is. So I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about what are some of the key parts of your process for creating ceremony and how does the act of ceremony and ritual help to illuminate and activate the medicines that you're working with? Yeah, no, um, I think uh, ceremony is a very important part of it, you know, considering um, as indigenous people, that's all we've ever done and had was uh, ceremonies. And so to be able to learn it, you know, in a modern day, especially within a, you know, place that doesn't necessarily have all the cultures and traditions that were once here. Um, it's it's very strong and it's very um, it helps it helps get you prepared. Like whether it's going to get medicine and offer you know tobacco's offerings or you know simply just to touch the trees and you know talk and and just you know release and and kind of not necessarily be one with them but just be honest and and just express yourself and. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they understand, you know, certain things and aspects, but to do it ceremonially, I think, is a is a beautiful way to wrap up, you know, everything in one setting. So to engage in that, I think, is very, uh, very powerful. And also, um, like you're saying, it activates the medicine more in terms of um, just reverence, you know, reasons why, and... Uh, actually talking to it you know I always tell people you know there's nothing wrong with talking to your medicine you know it's like it's not gonna hurt you know it's not gonna bother you or it you know if anything it's gonna make things more 
more honest because you're you're being honest with your intent and why you want to do it and uh to me i think that goes hand in hand you know because like versus just keep it inside you know you're actually saying it you know to the universe you know to that medicine to that fire you know to the creator mother earth and i think that's a very beautiful thing that a lot of more people need to start understanding and engaging because if you don't have no real understanding of why you're doing it eventually you're just going to hit a point of uh you know you're just going to be recreationally doing this and not having no real uh real big motive to what you're really doing after you know you get what you need or whatnot sure and i i was reading through some of the motivations for why you started the work that you're doing and one of them i'd love to unpack a little bit or talk about is uh, you have a, a stated, one of your stated goals is to work within and without the tribal governments and focus on decolonizing techniques to reestablish an organic diet, clean water, air, new social structures for your reservations. What are some of the steps that you're taking to bring about this transformation and what does decolonization look like in practice? Yeah, um, de decolonization in practice for me, uh, for what I've learned is um practicing you know your culture where you come from and then also um understanding that um it's okay to not necessarily mix with modern day things but to not let it like get to you too much because in reality it's modern day and a lot of things are still here and needed to whether it's communicate or get something out or progress with certain things so for me decolonizing is basically just Getting back to the earth, not being so cliche with it, and really uh, understanding yourself and um, figuring out your own relationship with Creator Mother Earth. And from there, you know, a lot of other things can happen. And uh, as far as, um, you know, breaking down the diet and social structures and everything, um, you know, that's where uh, I'm trying to grow my own stuff, you know, my own food. Like as of right now, I got corn, squash, tomatoes, figs, uh, pomegranates, grapes. Then I want to get some more. Um, you know, like carrots and whatnot growing. And, um, but yeah, that's basically what I want to get to because <clears throat> as far as the reservation goes, you know, there's a, not necessarily a big amount of, um, farming on the homeland in terms of for the community. So that's where I want to bring that back for the community. And so that way everyone doesn't have to necessarily go to the grocery store all the time to get these products that not everyone always understands what they're coming from or they may not always necessarily be clean or good for you. And uh, so that's where I want to bring that back and then get back to even uh, traditional things like necessarily like uh, acorns, rabbits, quails, deer, you know, going up and collecting spring water again, you know, and uh, just building an overall community, like how we gather and how we talk. Because um, right now, like I say, you know, the social structure and how we, you know, day to day, you know, it's still it's not like it's not bad, but uh, definitely could be more um, communal, you know, personal intimate you know everything for where people want to really get involved with community and what's going on you know and, and really get on the ball to communitively working towards like i say you know better food water you know diet air you know there's a lot of things you know because there's some reservations that are really you know close to freeways you know bad areas of pollution so you know i know there's things out there to where tribes can invest and look into projects, not at the moment, but in the future to possibly, you know, clean the air or look for, you know, solutions to test the air, you know, test the quality, you know, in the soil, all these things around our places, you know, so uh, 
that's kind of where I, where I, you know, see that and where my opinions on that. Sure. And I think a lot of what you're talking about now ties into this idea of land autonomy or being able to have autonomy and that there is a huge lack of community, I think, in general across the board right now. And of course, people are trying to create virtual communities and and so on. But there's been a, a quite a unfortunate situation, I think, in a lot of developed countries and certainly in the United States where like a lot of people don't know their neighbors. A lot of people don't have a grounding sense of community and as you mentioned earlier a lot of people are just kind of going through the motions going to the supermarket and buying mass-produced food and not really having this understanding of ecological loops or of how to how waste is managed and where water comes from that's obviously a huge issue that's growing in importance for a lot of the world is access to clean water access to clean resources so I'd love to talk about land autonomy, in particular in the context of First Nations peoples and Native Americans. I know there's a movement, or at least a little bit more public recognition of the wrongs that have been done to our, our indigenous brothers and sisters and everybody on that spectrum. And I'd just love to hear about what does land autonomy mean to you? Do you feel like the reservation is a, a good representation of land autonomy, or is it something you're involved in with all of the ongoing efforts to try to return stolen lands to people? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it should be more of a bigger topic outside of um, what is being projected on on the, the term land back and whatnot. I think the tribes that are here in Southern California, for instance, like uh, like for instance, Morongo, the tribe that I'm from, um, we're a billion dollar tribe. So it's like so is Sam and Well, and so is you know all these other tribes. So for me, if people want to be serious, at least for the tribes that have money, uh, land back should be. Um, putting some of these monies towards buying land back. Like if uh, there's like 20 plus, 100 acres, whatever, for sale for 100,000, not I'm saying 100,000, but 500,000 plus to a million plus dollars or more, you know, like even if it's like $10 million or so, it's like buy it, invest in it. You know, Sam and Well, they just bought fucking the Palms out in Vegas. So it's like, okay, you can you can do that deal. Well, why don't you do more land back and then offer more enterprise and business? Hell, even start an organic farm and start locally, you know, selling and producing organic food for grocery stores, communities, wherever, you know, because the amount of money, that's where I kind of get tripped out at in like Morongo. It's like the amount of money and infrastructure and things that we've invested in. I'm like, well, where's our organic farm? You know, the amount of money we have, we could be you're literally investing in an organic farm and having, you know, full on organic produce and supplying our casino, our stores, local grocery stores, whatever, you know. And uh, so that's kind of where I see that as far as if it's serious, then these tribes that are billion dollar tribes that have access to funds to do things and uh, start buying land back. Sure. And I think tying into that would be I'd be curious to hear about the education model and primary schooling and secondary schooling. 
I don't know much about it, as I'm sure a lot of the people who are born outside of the reservations and don't come from the background probably don't have a very clear understanding of this, but are there schools and, and education infrastructure in place where people of the Morongo tribe or of other tribes are learning about their own histories and are learning in a sort of decolonized education model? Or is a lot of the primary education and the education available kind of tied up with the, the rest of the military industrial complex and the rest of standardized education? So what does that look like? Are you, do you formally educate your, your, the younger generations about their history or is that an ongoing movement? Um, it's, it's kind of very hard because a lot of history is really choppy. A lot of the history is uh, forgotten. A lot of it's not even to, to actually look up or go find a lot of what we need to actually progress our children and people to, you know, a better understanding of who we are. It's not there. You know, that's one reason why um, I have a thing at like museums and, you know, churches and private collectors because it's like, hey, you know, why why can museums and whatnot have all of our our regalia, our our pottery, our relics, our ceremonial objects, everything to show awe and whatnot to people when it's like, why can't we have that to inspire our children, to give our children like a a, a look of like how strong and how like powerful and artistic and like, you know, how beautiful and, and everything that our people were, you know, why does, why does the crowd who don't even give a damn other than the the tourist side of it, whether it's like you could be showing a little two to five year old to eight year old, 10 year old, 12 year old, 15 year old boy or girl, some of these things and giving them pure inspiration and, and giving them pure like ideas that they can actually see, you know, versus like going to college and hearing from, you know, professors and, and, you know, all this stuff that's not necessarily not going to say not true, but it's not necessarily not authentic as if you were to get it directly from source or directly from an indigenous person who understands that part of their culture or whatever it may be. And so, uh, you know, that's where I want to look into things, you know, it was very hard. And that's where I think uh, it's kind of old now, you know, like, why can't we have our, our own things back? Just like how if somebody had like, let's say they had a sacred relic of the Catholic Church, you know, they, they demand it back or the Mormons or the Jewish Church. It's like they demand it back if someone had one of their sacred things. And so that's kind of where I don't understand how we can't get those rights or even get anything for that matter. Yeah, that resonates a lot with me hearing that and thinking about the movements worldwide towards decolonization and how many other arenas of life that projects into. Um, so, you know, building off of that, one of the things that really stood out about the work that you're doing that I heard a little bit about it from our mutual friend, Colin Wells, shout out Veterans Walk and Talk, love the work that they're doing. But I've heard that you, you don't charge money for the ceremonies that you've been running for the veterans and for the people. And as more plant medicine ceremonies and retreats, these types of experiences are gaining traction with people. More people are looking for this kind of healing. You know, there's an identity crisis. There's mass, mass confusion on a cultural scale. A lot of uh, social institutions and things breaking down. So a lot of people are trying to get back to the roots or trying to look at why they're feeling so confused and so anxious and so depressed. And a lot of it is coming from disconnection from source. So I'm curious, why did you decide to make these experiences free and accessible for people when so many other people are going the opposite direction and are trying to see how much they can charge for it? Well, you know, uh, just being a native and growing up and and growing up like traveling and seeing like native and, and honest native people because there's obviously there's natives who charge 
But to see honest natives that, you know, didn't charge, it was very humbling to see, you know, and then also to like know that I don't necessarily need any money to like pay my bills or feed my kids or take care of my wife or myself, you know, so it's like, I'm not necessarily like, oh man, you know, I need to make money, you know, or the excuse of, oh, I got bills or everyone's got to make money, you know, I don't, I don't use that as an excuse because for me, it's like, this is who I am. You know, this is my culture. I have cultural lineage and um, I have real understanding of it. So to me, it's like, why would I, at least this is my personal thoughts, why would I charge people for what's here? You know, it's just a matter of showing you. Just like if I didn't know where a plant was, I'd rather someone say, hey, you know, let me go show you. I know that plant is versus like, hey, you know, give me a, give me a thousand dollars and, you know, I'll make this whole hike and we'll make this scenic stop and, you know, I'll give you a little tour and, you know, I'll do this and that and whatever they're going to throw in there. And instead of just saying like, hey, you know, here's this plant, you know, here's how you get there. And, uh, you know, and whatever you give, that's to me is that's good. Whether it's, you know, blankets, money, food, you know, it doesn't matter. And that's why for me, like, I like to make it free because to me, like, there's so many people lost and confused and astray and, and just want to know the truth. You know, so many people have been lied to and mistreated and, and, and misguided and, you know, a lot of people are just sick of that, you know, and they just want to be honest people. They, they want to be good. They want to, you know, put aside the bullshit. And, you know, so for me, that's where I think that's awesome to do for people because it's like, I don't, why would I want to charge for you to get help? To me, like, that's, that's out of my league in terms of like, if I had other options of things, like bigger things, obviously, yeah, there's going to be some money. But as far as what I can cover and what I do, you know, if I need anything, it's like I want people to donate or give money so I can get facility and get, you know, real helping people and a team because out of that, it's like, you know, it's just me and my house and, and what I do here, you know, and and I kind of want to get it right because, you know, I don't think I need to continue to do it at my house if I'm doing this for free. If people are getting facilities and millions and, and all these other things for this and, and barely are breaking ground on like actually taking the medicine and doing the work you know obviously there's people microdosing the shit out of this medicine and studying it in small doses but so 20 plus grams every time and studying and and getting now there's no real i don't think there's any big studies on that at all so like for me if i'm getting those results and having continual results steady results you know like i said i don't need to get paid but shoot if someone wants to help out and get a facility in the team like let's go because i'm seeing results Every two to three weeks when I get veterans and non-veterans and all who come to my church. So to me, it's like some of these people, they haven't even had any real test runs and they already have millions of dollars ready to go. You know, so for me, it's like I've already had my trial and errors and test runs. So it's like now let's get this going so we can get this to as many people as possible who need it. Sure, and I was I was hoping to touch on that too. The macro dose is of great interest to me early on in my experiences. I didn't really know how much to take. I think I, I was in my late teens, early 20s, and in university, and I read a couple books here and there, but I, I did a couple different macro doses, and those are profound dimensions and realms, as I'm sure you're well familiar. And a lot of the movement these days does focus more on microdosing or at these retreat centers, people starting off with lower doses, which I fully advocate for and support. I don't think 
you know, everybody needs to feel pressured that they need to put the pedal to the metal all the time. But I also think that there's so much transformative potential and immediate transformative potential at those 20 plus gram levels that you're speaking of. So I'd be curious to hear from you, what are some of the ways that you would prepare someone who was coming into your care and maybe you don't know their psychedelic history or their usage or their experience and they're feeling like they wanna strap in and take the ride to those dimensions and to those, uh, the macrodose levels. How would you prepare people for that who are coming to you for help? Well, um, you know, if they really are serious, you know, we'd, uh, we'd start out with like a sweat, you know, and uh, you come through sweat. And then from that sweat, you know, just break down, you know, protocol or um, just describe kind of like what's going to in terms be of feelings and emotions and uh, kind of just how to ground oneself, you know, and and, you know, how to just be ready. Because in terms of like how to break it down, you can't say break it down because it's just like it's going to it's going to take you where it needs to go. And, and the ceremony is going to go where it needs to go. Sometimes you can. Be here, somebody be there, it could be here, but it can never, at least from the amount of times I've done it, I never had a strict pinpoint except for what I do, whether it's my medicine or, you know, how I pray. So it's like, that's always a, a routine, but as far as how things go, you know, it's kind of like prepared to, to kind of be, you know, given some random things in terms of like, let's say you go somewhere, like, um, let's just say you went somewhere randomly, like so many things can happen, you know, the good things, bad things, you know, in between. So. I just try to tell people, you know, just prepare for, for anything. Be open and know that you're in a safe place. Know that, uh, you know, everyone around you, you know, cause I, I usually have between two to three, uh, sober people with me. So it's like, you know, there's, there's people who aren't on medicine. There's people who are here to help. You know, we're, we're in a good place and, you know, you don't need to worry. So if things do get a little out of hand, just, you know, ask for help, ask for guidance. And, uh, we're right here, you know, and everyone's right here. So, uh, I just try to let people know, you know, everything's here, but whatever they need, whether it's food, water, someone to talk to, assistance, uh, you know, blankets, you know, everything that we need and what someone needs to feel comfortable, we, we have access to. So I just let people know, like, you know, whatever you need to feel comfortable or you, know, you need to lay down or you need a little pillow, you know, <laughs> just some of that nature, you know, we just try to let people know you're covered and just uh, focus on why you came here. And focus on why it is that you want to take this big dose, you know, focus on why you need this healing, you know, don't get so caught up in the the traumas and the what ifs, just focus on why you want to get better and why it is you wish to, you know, engage in taking a big dose. Sure. And one of the other things I wanted to unpack related to that is I heard from, uh, well, I read on your website and I also from talking to a few people in the veterans groups about the Womkish. And of course, coming from a, a non-native background, that is an unfamiliar term for me. Some people may know what it is, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the Womkish is and how it factors into your ceremonial experiences? Yeah, I know the Womkish is a big house and um, that's where we did our ceremonial things, whether it was a uh, you know, our puberty rite ceremonies, whether it was, you know, our marriage, whether it was even birth, even a cremation. So, like, there'd be times where when we had our funeral rites ceremonies and whatnot, we'd have a cremations, and sometimes they'd be in there or they'd be on the offset, you know, while the family's in there praying with the medicine person and whatnot. So I always tell people just to experience those without even being on um, medicine. Those are life-changing experiences in themselves so 
as far as like uh like the circle of life you know life death birth rebirth you know everything in it so i always tell people you know think of that you know you're going to the circle of life so you're going to go through all these things in life and and go through death as well, you know, and just depending on if someone lost someone or, you know, someone, you know, all those things, you know. So I just say uh, it's just our way of life, circle life, and it's our big house. It's how we communicate to Creator Mother Earth That's that was given to us to check in and get understandings and lessons and teachings for ourselves and our children and for our people and those to come. Thank you for that breakdown right there. That's really awesome. And look forward to hopefully having an opportunity to, to visit one day myself and to experience. So speaking of podcasting, thank you again for joining us today. I'm very excited that you're launching a podcast. I saw a couple clips that you put out and I, I listened to the first one, um, about eight minute clip that you put out. And I really felt like I was absorbed in the environment, like I was there with you all. And I know I saw you got the whole setup, you got a mixer and you were streaming with the GoPro too. So I just want to express my support for that in any way I can support or advocate for it. And I also would love to hear from you when we can expect to start hearing some more content, some more, um, what's the podcast all about that you're launching? Yeah, no, it's definitely just going to be, um, it's going to be about, um, like, you know, the Womkish and, uh, the stories of the Womkish, you know, stories of, uh, big doses and, um, experiences, you know, things about integration, you know, outtake on, uh, psychedelic community, you know, just, uh, opinions off of, you know, people I know, how people have treated me, you know, things that I've seen personally, talks that I've done personally with certain people in the movement. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna start rolling out content like today. Um, I have my brother, uh, Mark coming in. He's a combat veteran, Navy SEAL. So today we're gonna talk a little bit and he's a member of my church as well. And, uh, he's done, you know, 30 grams with me. You know, we've done lots of different you know, doses. And so today's gonna be a good, uh, talk with him. You know, just get a chat with him as a combat veteran and just get his intake, you know, on how he feels, you know, as a veteran taking, you know, psychedelic therapy, you know, and how, you know, affects him and how he feels with some of the things he's seen and what he's encountered as a Navy SEAL, you know, and so uh, it's going to be a good one, you know. Sure. And what's the name of the podcast? Uh, I haven't really thought of the name of it right now. Um, I, I'd say right for now, it's probably just going to be uh, Womkish Stories or Psychedelic Stories from the Womkish. One of the two, I'm going to think about it in the next, you know, day or two. Sure. Well, it's cool to be here and, and be there at the at the start of it. And we'll absolutely link the Instagram. So people who are curious and rightfully so and who want to learn more from Shane, hear more stories from the Womkish direct from the source. Uh, we'll make sure that we link your Instagram and just go and give Shane a follow and plug into the amazing work that that community is doing and that he's facilitating for the community. And we, we pretty much touched on everything I wanted to talk about today, but I always like to leave the last part open for our guests. And if there's anything in particular you'd like to promote that you're working on or maybe an upcoming project, it sounds like you've got a lot going on, a lot of irons in the fire, but any parting shots you have, Shane, that you'd like to share some of the work that you're doing or uh, any, anything you want to promote for people? Yeah, um, in mid-July or August, we're going to have our first... Um, Womkish stories, basically, where um, I'm going to have a, I'm going to set up the Womkish. Uh, we're not going to, you know, take medicine or have ceremony, but basically I'm going to have a group of people, members of my church and whatnot, you know, and we're going to, um, we're just going to talk about our experiences. We're going to have a fire, you know, and we're going to uh, 
just go around. I'm going to have my equipment. I'm going to set up more mics and we're going to just get like a live stream talk, you know, about what we feel and how we've been, you know, experiencing these medicines and the integration and lessons and teachings that, you know, we've, we've understood and how we're becoming better people and applying them in our lives and, you know, how um, ceremonial setting and, you know, ceremonial dosing of this medicine is um, something to be looked at and something that's not talked about as much as the big pharma and the scientific side. And, you know, that's something that's going to be coming out and definitely going to be having more ceremonies in the next, you know, month or two. So I'm just looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to networking out and getting more out there because um, something that we need, you know, not just Native people, but all people. And um, as far as the psychedelic movement goes, I think it's uh, due justice to involve an indigenous person who has real lineage and a real understanding of these medicines traditionally versus like uh, just having big, you know, corporations and money and just knowing all these people of networks, you know, because for me, it's, it's really cool. You know, I, I wish I was networked and had millions of dollars to distribute out. But um, no, you know, I got culture, I got ceremonies and I got, you know, ancestral ties and that's something that uh, the movement needs and should respect and listen to. So that's something that I'm bringing to the table and looking forward to uh, more news on SB 519. And um, big things are going to happen with uh, psychedelic assisted therapy. And uh, California, I think, is going to be a big role model and big uh, push for that. So thank you. Sure. I mean, it's been so exciting to get to connect with you and to hear directly what you're working on because I've heard so many good things through the grapevine already. So I really appreciate you joining us on Mycopreneur Podcast today, Shane, and let's stay in touch, and I'd love to come out and meet you personally soon. Thank you very much, Dennis, and you have a good one. Thank you for having me on here. Sure enough. Have a great day. Take care, my friend. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the Mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Mycopreneur Podcast, that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running, Twitter, Mycopreneur, got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line, tell your grandma and your kooky uncle, tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, Willkommen. Bienvenidos. Welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.